Hello, PolyM fam, and welcome to Talk Your Poly Off, presented by ilovepoly.org. This is your podcast for ethically navigating your relationships, your community, and yourself for a healthier and happier lifestyle. This is Bella Doll. She is my sunshine full of giggles. And this is Joshua Monsuda, the logic to my emotion and the chaos to my order. So now you know us. Pull up a seat and let's talk our poly off. Hey there, PolyM fam, and welcome back to Talk Your Poly Off. I'm Bella. I'm Monsuda. How are you feeling today, Bella? Today's kind of rough. Yeah. We are, it's Tuesday, the mm-hmm. 30th. Yeah. So we're two days away from my surgery. And man, I have been on this liquid protein drink diet for 12 days now. And it is creating some major brain fog. So I'm struggling a little bit today. Well, if it makes you feel any better, today is National Pencil Day. <laughs> I don't even know what to do with that. How did you even come across that it was National Pencil Day? Sometimes it's good to be in the know. <laughs> I mean, I have pencils. Yeah, they're, pencils are important. Yeah, they're cute. I like them for D&D. So, I'm sorry that you're feeling your brain fog. <laughs> so much. <laughs> but I think we'll get through this just fine. Okay. Today's discussion is going to be self-sabotage. Oh, good. Yeah. Good, because my brain is sabotaging me right now. This topic feels pretty important and i mean like everyone does it a little bit the self-sabotage yeah even if they're not aware of it like even if it's just unconsciously behind the scenes right and it's something that we've talked about creating an episode for for a while now Mm -hmm. uh, self-sabotaging and coping mechanisms and we've decided to come back around to it and i felt some of my own sabotaging techniques in the past week And I thought it would be relevant to this conversation. Just to make sure everyone's on the same page, self-sabotaging is something that we do which creates problems in our life and interferes with our goals. Like when I emotionally eat even though I really want to lose weight. Right. Yeah. Some forms of this are procrastination, self-medication or substance abuse, blaming others rather than accepting our own responsibility, self-harm, avoiding productive communication, Like you mentioned, eating disorders, Mm -hmm. negative self-talk, choosing to date people who we logically know aren't a good fit for us. Mm. I mean, like, it's a pretty wide spectrum kind of thing. Yeah. And not just relevant to talk about for personal growth, but also for relationship growth. Creation of these behaviors can be obvious, like drinking to cope, drugs to escape, overeating to build a sense of comfort. And some of these actually sneak in subtly, like fostering dysfunctional and distorted beliefs or doubts, which may cause someone to underestimate themselves or their abilities, hide their feelings, or even lash out at those around them. Yeah, that makes sense. So self-sabotaging is a very broad spectrum, wide scope thing. Well, I mean, I've even done the like lashing out, like sabotaging a relationship on accident slash purpose, (laughs) where like... You know, you hear it now and then where things are going too well and you feel like it something should be wrong by now or why haven't we fought or had a disagreement or something. And then, like, I would, not paying attention, lash out at a partner for something super trivial and dumb that didn't deserve it, but it was almost like I was sabotaging things subconsciously. Right. And I'm pretty sure that we've all been there in some form or another. I know that I've sabotaged relationships in the past for my own reasons. I was afraid that maybe I didn't live up to the perceived expectations this partner might have, or I'm just not good enough for them. Right. You know, like you said, maybe things are just going too well and something's got to be wrong. So let's just start a fight (laughs) just to check. You know, so, I mean, those are things. and And it's all, no, no one wants to do it. But, yeah, we do it. Right. (laughs) So I'll take a minute to break down a couple of the reasons why someone might self-sabotage. Yeah. First off, I think we've both kind of mentioned it a little bit as a self-worth issue. Mm Mm-hmm. You feel like you're undeserving of success or undeserving of love or joy you don't feel good enough about yourself and you don't understand why you should get what you want. Especially if you've got a partner that's over 
45? No, not an age thing. Like, over, what I want to say, sharing. Someone who's a really good partner, you know, someone who's someone who's been a better partner than maybe someone else in your past or than everybody else in your past. And this one is overly connected and intimate and listens and all these really good things. So overly connected, like extremely codependent, overly connected. So basically like when you have a partner who's overly affectionate or shows you more love in a way that maybe you're not used to or haven't experienced before, you might not feel like you're worthy of that affection and love. So you said overly affectionate. Maybe (laughs) someone who's caring in a way that you're not used to? Yeah, I mean, it might feel overly affectionate if you haven't previously had affection coming into that. It might feel like, oh, they're kind of smothering me, when really they're just showing a typical amount of love and affection, but because... Past experiences have made you feel unworthy. It feels like they're overly affectionate. So how would that work on self-worth? The way I'm hearing it from you right now is that it's the partner who is this thing. But if we're trying to bring this into self-worth, how would you relate that? Is are you, are you talking about how you have felt because of previous relationships that you didn't feel worthy of having this level of attention? Yeah. And so now that I have that level of attention, it's like, oh... I don't understand. I don't deserve this. I'm not worthy of this. This is weird. And maybe I'll sabotage it because it doesn't feel right because I don't feel worthy. All internal biases and feelings. Okay. I think that self-worth takes up a lot of this, right? If if I don't feel... Let me rephrase. After no longer being employed, my next goal is I want to do something better mm-hmm. and something I've wanted to do for a long time and didn't feel for a number of reasons that I could or should do. Right. In a way, that was my own self-sabotage working against me. That was me saying, well, you're not good enough to do that thing. No one's going to believe in you. You don't even believe in yourself. I didn't have the self-worth to say, I want this, and I'm going to reach for it. So with the college, I'm going and I'm applying for college. I'm going to go for a master's degree. I'm going to continue my education to achieve the goals that I want to achieve. That for so many years, I didn't feel I was good enough to achieve these goals. Right. So then you sabotaged yourself. Right. Well, I'm just going to go get whatever job I can get and I'm just going to deal with it. And I'm going to put this off onto the back burner and I'm just not going to do these things. I wasn't allowing my own self-worth to come out. In a relationship standpoint, I could see how you would feel like based on the input you've been given for previous years in previous relationships... That, no, I don't deserve this level of affection or I don't deserve this level of care. Yep, exactly. Another aspect of why we might cause self-sabotage is control. We'll find this in control and it feels easier to control like your own sinking ship or your own burning house from within because you know what the sinking feels like because you've been doing it for a long time or it's okay that the house burns down. It's like that meme, like that dog person sitting at the mm-hmm. table, the house is on fire around him. He's like, this is fine. It's all fine. Everything's fine. It's because it's easier to handle what you know and what you can see, and it gives you that illusion of being in control of your life rather than taking the chances to be out of control, to maybe not get this sinking ship to sink. Or Right, well, that's what's the saying where like, you know, better the monster that you know than the monster that you don't know. Better the devil you know. Yeah. Yeah. You know, same kind of a thing where you know what it takes in this situation. You know how to control it for good or bad. And you have no idea what to do in this other one. So you're just not going to go for that other one because you obviously can stay in control here where it's comfortable. Right. And then the, the perceived lack of control is scary enough mm-hmm. that... You don't want to take that chance. Right. I think that also, I know I talk about the weight loss stuff for a while now because it's so close to surgery. Definitely. But it's the same thing for me where it was unknown. You know, if I, if I were to lose all the weight, then I could go back to coaching or training. And that was a little bit more unknown, especially in my adult life where I didn't do that as much as I did in my teen years. So in order to kind of avoid having to face that unknown scariness... 
if I just continued to eat like crap and drink and do lack of exercise and all these things to maintain my overweightness, it sabotaged me and I didn't have to face that unknown of once I lost the weight and I got into training, maybe I wasn't going to be good enough anymore. So it kind of ties control in with self-worth all at the same time. Well, and it's cool that you mentioned that the way you did, because another aspect is self-fraudulence. We've talked about imposter syndrome a Mm -hmm. lot of times. So if I was hearing what you were just saying, there's also that fear that you're going to go and you're not going to be a good enough coach or you don't know that, you know, all these things. Maybe that there's also that concern that you think that you're great and then people are going to find out that you're not. Right. Or that you're not everything you said you were. And that goes with what you were talking about with coaching and with what I was talking about with furthering my psychology. Exactly. Is that I desire to help people. Like that's my life goal is to help people in the world. And my fear up to this point has always been what if I don't get it right or what if I'm not good enough or what if I'm not as smart as I should be and then it becomes what if people think that I'm a fake or a phony or an imposter yeah and then they're like giving me the burden right so then you just don't pursue it because you don't want to have that feeling right when logically I know that everybody in the world gets good at what they get good at by practice and education and experience and It's not an imposter syndrome. It's just a matter of getting better and better and better until you are at that point. Right. And people will see that. Anyway, that's kind of derailing toward the end of the episode. (laughs) One other aspect of creating self-sabotage is creating a scapegoat. And this is, I mean, like, obviously, substance abuse Mm -hmm. is an obvious example. Overeating, you mentioned, Mm -hmm. is an obvious example. But there's also... Not so obvious stuff here, like blame shifting. Mm -hmm. If you're not really good at your job and you don't want people to call you out on it, you always have a reason why you didn't do good at your job. Well, I couldn't do it because Elise over here kept not sending me the right files. Right. When there's actual proof that Elise did send the right files. And I don't know an Elise. It was just (laughs) the first name that came to mind. But... Always having someone else to blame. It's the finger pointing game. Yeah. We run into the finger pointing game a lot at work too, where it's just like, dude, I'm just trying to help you out and find an easier way. And instead of just taking our feedback, they want to be like, well, it's not my fault. So-and-so did this, or I only did this because my supervisor told me to or whatever. It's always the finger pointing game. Yeah. hundred percent. I have this older brother who his life is an entire mess all by itself. And no matter how many times I tried helping him through his life, the reason why his life was always a mess is because he would do these things to sabotage his success, and then he'd always blame someone else. He had a severe drug addiction and always blamed it on someone else. He wouldn't pay his bills because of his drug addiction, so he blamed the bills on someone else. Right. Like, And it just creates this chain of events of blaming everyone instead of instead of just looking inside and saying, you know what? This is not the great part of me and I should fix it. Right. Or just, I fucked up. I made a mistake. Yeah. Move on. Fix it. So, and and again, these are just examples of scapegoating. I'm sure that if you sat and thought about it, just like us, you could probably think of a number of other scapegoat examples. And also because you mentioned better the devil you know than the mm-hmm. devil you don't, yeah. that brings us to familiarity. Mm. When you get comfortable with what you know and get comfortable with your environment, you get complacent. You even get, if it's even if it's bad. Yeah. 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 You get used to what's around you. It's easier for you to deal with the consistent of what is rather than the surprise of what may be. We see that a lot too in abusive relationships. Oh yeah. Right? I mean I know I've been there. It was a terrible situation that I was in, and he caused me to cut off ties with friends and family. We ended up homeless. It was all bad, but I was sticking to it because I knew it. (laughs) I knew how to handle it. I knew what to expect on the day-to-day. I knew what I was in. Whereas if I were to cut ties and end things and go on my merry way, I had no idea there could be these harder, bigger struggles that I was going to run into, or maybe my friends and family wouldn't take me back, or all these unknowns with it. So I just sat in the familiar, even though it was a bad, toxic situation. Right. 
And that's that's a huge thing. And it's not just relationships. I was in a just recently in a relationship with a job yeah. where it was pretty similar in a lot of ways. I knew what was there and I was comfortable with handling what was there. And I knew I could do that. And I didn't want to leave it because I was afraid of what happens after I do. Right. How am I going to make my money? Where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Just like what you're talking about with a toxic relationship is you don't know. And because you don't know, like I'm, I'm thinking, how am I going to pay my bills? I've already overshot money into our joint account mm-hmm. so that I can make sure that my bills are covered. And I've already <laughs> put more in than I should have for the month or whatever. Right. Because just in case. But it's it's that matter of not knowing how to operate in new grounds. Well, and it's interesting, too, because once you've exited the familiar and you went to the unfamiliar and you managed to get through it and you found, like, rainbows and sunshine on the other side and everything is so much better, it's really hard because you want to help other people who are maybe stuck in a familiar bad situation, you want to help lift them out because you want to take them to the sunshine and rainbows, but they've got to figure out what they're doing to sabotage their own situation and how to get out of it on their own. Right. And then, you know, there's also boredom. Honestly, if we're going to be real (laughs) about it, I know that just this last week, you know, I've had... So one of my big deals since no longer being with my most recent employer Mm -hmm. is that... If I didn't set a schedule and stick with it, I was going to end up screwing up everything. And I still have a path I want to progress on. Right. So immediately, the first day, I set a schedule for my week. You know, I set a schedule for how I'm going to operate through the day. Hour by hour, half hour by half hour if I had to. Yeah. And I knew that if I didn't do that, I was going to succumb to complacency and boredom. Well, and you know yourself well enough, too, that you know you rabbit hole when you get bored. Right. Whether it's a TikTok rabbit hole or a, you like to organize your, your files and stuff on your computer. Right. Which is always, if anybody ever organizes their computer, you know that's ever, never ending. And you wanted to make sure to avoid that. So you were proactive in cutting the boredom's head off. Right. Because even during the very initial lockdown from the pandemic... I spent weeks, <laughs> weeks, day in, day out, from like noon to four in the morning, just organizing files on my computer. It's like none of it really matters. <laughs> and a lot of it's just junk I've accumulated over the last few decades, but I just needed to get them organized so they're nice. And I wanted to avoid that. Yeah. Because. Otherwise, I'm there again. Yeah, and I remember at the end of that, you were like, what did I do? I just wasted all these weeks. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then, like, it's not even just something like that. Sometimes with boredom, you want to change up the status quo of your existence, Mm -hmm. I guess. So maybe a self-sabotaging, aside of putting off work that needs done, is that maybe things have been going too good with your partners. And... You kind of need to spice it up and you're bored. So you start a fight with them for no reason. Right. You know, or you, you know, cross a boundary. Maybe you're bored. And so you're like, okay, well, I'm going to start dating this other person over here that I've been talking to. They probably know. I'm just not going to tell them when maybe one of your agreed upon boundaries is that we all communicate when we're dating someone new. Right. And and if you got a lot of spare time, you got nothing to do, you know, chasing after these goals that you have and not communicating those mm-hmm. goals is a big thing of it. Also is overindulgence. If I'm prone to board eating, if I don't keep busy, <laughs> I will just sit and graze through the day. So I try to keep myself occupied to avoid that. I know nothing about overindulging in food. It's fine. <laughs> so really we've talked about a few different ways that we could sabotage ourselves in very broad scopes to kind of give an idea of the more of the root of the issue. Right. Well, so now that you went over like all these things on how we self-sabotage, how do we stop? How do we not self-sabotage? How do we prevent that? Well, I think the very first thing that we need to do to understand that is understanding what self-sabotaging is. Mm -hmm. And I think we pretty much covered that at the beginning of this episode. Yeah. The next thing is try to understand where the sabotage is coming from. 
And really, whether it's you're developing these behaviors from childhood or like what you were talking about with previous relationship dynamics. Mm -hmm. Like learned, kind of learned behaviors. Learned behaviors. Mm -hmm. I know that I have extreme trust issues that I still work on. And a lot of that's because of how my parentage worked out, right? Where I couldn't trust or believe in these role models in my life because I was always let down. And so I'm often just trying to do my own thing because I know I won't let myself down, but then I worry about how other people might do that for me. Right. So, and then you were talking about your previous partner that cut you off from Mm -hmm. the world. So there's these aspects, but if you really think about it, a lot of self-sabotage, if not all of it, comes from a place of fear. Yeah. And learning where it comes from or why we have it is important. So when we're when we're sabotaging, ask yourself, well, first off, you got to identify that you're doing it, right? right? Oh, crap. I totally just sabotaged this situation because I did blah, blah, blah. Right. So you want to identify that you're doing it and then why you're doing it. And then that's where you've, you've mentioned multiple times, you keep asking why until you get mm-hmm. to it, right? We're trying to find the root of the cause. Just keep of drilling down. Why did I just do that? Well, because I didn't want to do this. Why didn't I want to do this? Because I'm afraid of this. You get all the way down to figure out what your fear is in the scenario. Mm-hmm. What am I really afraid of happening? You're not afraid of succeeding. Oh, I'm not afraid to go to college and get a degree and have a badass job that I love doing. Right. I'm afraid of failing. I'm afraid of trying and not, I guess, for these initial steps. I'm not great at government-type paperwork. <laughs> Bella watched me try to do taxes this year and just about <laughs> pulled all our hair out. I haven't had to do my own taxes for a lot of years. My wife would do them. Right. Now I have to do them. And each year, it's like someone's driving nails into my, you know, my toes. And then throw unemployment and a bunch of other confusing things in there this year. Right. It was it was a lot of fun. <laughs> so, so now I'm trying to fill out the paperwork needed to go to college. Right. And my fear is I'm too stupid to get this. I'm not going to be good enough at this. Or I'm going to choose a degree and then just utterly fail. So I just keep drilling it down. I'm afraid of failing. Mm -hmm. I'm afraid that I'm not going to get the paperwork right. I'm afraid I'm going to fail in my classes. I'm afraid that the college is going to be too hard. I'm afraid I'm going to spend all these years to get a degree and have chosen the wrong major. Right. And then never get a job again. And I'm going to die alone, (laughs) poor, in a dirt hole that I had to dig. Under the bridge. Yeah. So really it all can be drilled down to fear in most cases. Yeah. If you're talking about trying to get out of a relationship, I mean, you're not afraid of your partner abusing you or violating you because they already do that. Right. You're afraid of not being worth being loved. You're afraid of getting out successfully. Mm-hmm. You're afraid of what life's going to look like now that this person isn't supposedly supporting you. Definitely. Right? I mean, could you add more to that? I'm just throwing things out. No, you've hit it on the nail. I mean, there's a lot of fear in, we talked about that unknown, right? I didn't know how I was going to support myself. Well, once he was out of my life, I had friends and family back around. And so I could go back home to my parents and live rent free while I got back on my feet. And I got a job and I got a car and I got all these things and I was fully capable of it. But in the moment when I was trapped with him, it felt like I couldn't. It felt like I wasn't going to be good enough. So I was so afraid that what he would tell me, things like I wasn't going to be good enough, would be true. So I was afraid that his accusations were going to be true and accurate. Deep down, I knew they weren't, and I was able to prove that. But in the moment, I was so afraid of him being right. Okay. And why were you afraid of him being right? Because then it meant that I was less than in some way. If he was right, then I was bad. Okay. And why would you be afraid of being bad? Because then I wouldn't succeed at whatever I was doing. If I was bad, if I wasn't good enough, I wouldn't be able to get a job. I wouldn't be able to pay my bills. I wouldn't have a place to stay. Nobody would love me. All those things. Perfect. 
So that was an amazing drill down. And thanks for running that exercise with me because that was good. And I love you. I love you. That's a great way to do the drill down. Because when you think you got the answer, you can still ask why. Right. Until you can't ask why anymore. That's hard to do because you need to be able to sit in that. Mm -hmm. And it's uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, what, eight years out or something from that relationship in particular? And it's still like, ugh, I don't want to think about how I felt in those moments. It was terrible and gross. But I can get past that uncomfort to be able to really feel, to sit in it and remember it and share my experience if it helps somebody else. Right. So that's another thing that you have to be able to do when you're trying to recognize your sabotage and trying to change the behavior of the sabotage is to really sit in the feelings you have around this. I mean, if you're self-sabotaging anyway, you're trying to avoid these feelings. So this allows you the opportunity to sit in that. And I say opportunity and people are like, that is not an opportunity. <laughs> no, but it kind of is. It really is. I mean, let me just take it back to food, right? Let me jump out of the relationships back to food. And if I'm feeling jealous and envious because you're out on a date and really early on I was struggling with those feelings and I turned to food instead of sitting sitting on the couch in silence kind of meditating on on it and drilling it down like we just did why am I feeling these things I didn't want to think about why I was feeling them I didn't want to face and confront those thoughts and feelings so I buried it in nachos and bean dip and whatever else I could find because I didn't want to sit in that uncomfortable area. Right. You could do it again. Why don't I want to sit here? You right. Know, everything. You can sound like down a everything. broken record, but you drill it down to figure out why you don't want to sit there. Mm -hmm. And instead you're going to these comfort foods or right. whatever. I don't want to face, you know, the actions that I'm doing and bringing upon myself. You know, I don't want to face the truths. Yeah. So sit in it, feel it. And that feeling isn't going to kill you. That feeling... It might. It won't. <laughs> it feels uncomfortable. It sometimes can be very painful. But the more that you can do it, the more you can understand yourself and how to be more successful. And I'm not just preaching this like, I didn't live the best life. I've had to sit through a lot of hard things. And I've had to sit through things that did actually kill me. <laughs> So I, if you're a new listener, Monsuda's been shot in the face, if you didn't know that. So I can sit through some of this stuff knowing that hurt feelings, as much as they suck, are not going to kill me. Right. As long as I'm willing to listen non-judgmentally to myself. That's what I've been telling myself through this whole liquid diet. It's not going to kill me. There's another side. I'll get through it. And you've been doing amazing at it. I mean, I might die in the next two days. But, but. you won't. <laughs> so then you're also at this point, once you're feeling it, once you're understanding your self-sabotaging, you're also going to want to look for the triggers that make you do it. You mentioned just a little bit ago, early on in the relationship, if I went out on a date, you'd want to go get Subway or something mm -hmm. instead of having to deal with the fact that the person that you love is out with someone else. Subway was very kind as an example. If you were out of the house, <laughs> you bet your ass I was going to go get something way worse than Subway. I mean, you know, probably something that you just didn't like, you know. What, Taco Bell? Taco Bell. That is the worst you It was get. awful, and I regretted it every time. But in the moment, I was like, oh, I feel like crap, and he's out of the house, and he won't eat this, so I'm going to binge and indulge in all these bad things. <laughs> right. So you figure out what your trigger is. In addition to that, you want to figure out... Now, not all of this stuff is something you've done. Like you were talking about with a bad relationship, mm -hmm. me with a bad job. I was at a point where I was doing everything I could the right way at my job and still had to deal with unethical yeah. behavior. You were at a point with your relationship where you were trying to do things the right way and were still dealing with unethical behavior. Mm -hmm. But there are also points where you need to be able to take accountability for your actions and responsibility for your part in it. Now, I know that I wasn't just this model employee <laughs> and I wasn't every employer's wet dream. <laughs> Creepy. I was a handful at times. And sometimes I was downright asshole. <laughs> That's the part that I accept. Right. 
And I knew that. And I knew that in order for me to not have a harder time at work, I had to change behaviors. And so I really worked to change my asshole behavior to be more accommodating, more professional and Mm -hmm. nicer. And even in like a relationship, if you're trying to do the right thing, there's still times where you're going to do something wrong. Right. It's going to kick things off. I know going into relationships with anybody, you know, I tend to be a little spoiled because I'm a bit of a princess and I know I'm a control freak and I've got some of these behaviors that are learned over time. So I know that going in. So it's more of a focus to kind of work on those behaviors. And that taking accountability is not the main part. Like it, it is one facet of the whole. Right. Right. You identify your triggers. You identify the unhealthy behaviors that you take up because of those triggers. Mm-hmm. He's out. I'm going to get Taco Bell. <laughs> really what you want to do is you want to try to identify what you do want and understand what need you're trying to get fulfilled in this moment, at this point. So if you were feeling, could you could you help me out on this one? I go out your thoughts were that you'd want to go get food. Like what were you feeling that you were missing now that I'm out? It was more of the food was a distraction in that moment. The food wasn't giving me anything that I was missing. You know, if I was missing out on whatever fun, exciting date you were going on and I was literally feeling the, the fear of missing out food, wasn't filling that, but it was distracting me from what I was feeling. Now, if I take it to the food side of things, my weight loss stuff, right? And I want to get back to coaching. I've always mm-hmm. enjoyed coaching. I can't do that at the weight that I've been at. So making this change fulfills that need because I'll be able to get back to something I love and want to do again. So I have to change this behavior to get what I want. Right. And what we're trying to do is figure out what that specific need is. We'll drill it all down again, right? And that's kind of why I wanted to use the going out thing. Yeah. So when I went out, what need were you suddenly not getting filled that you wanted filled? Attention, maybe? Attention. I wasn't getting attention. I wasn't going to a place that I wanted to go to. I was talking about fear of missing out. Yeah. Yeah. So there's FOMO. Mm-hmm. So let's just go with the FOMO. Mm-hmm. You were feeling like you were going to miss out on something. Right. Especially if it was something, let's just say... Like laser tag, where or go- I totally thought you were going to bring axe throwing up again. Oh no, no. <laughs> okay, so we got laser tag, laser tag, or go karts, right? Something that a skinnier person could do because they could put the laser tag vest on mm-hmm. and they can fit in a go kart, and it's something I couldn't physically do with you. Ride the motorcycle, things like right. that. So my fear of missing out was escalated because it was something that I physically could not do that this person was stepping in in my head to fill my shoes and do it better because I couldn't. Okay, so now we're identifying needs. So you were missing out on something. Mm-hmm. So the next thing you decided to do because you wanted to avoid dealing and sitting in that moment was I'm going to get one of my needs met that I can't get met when he's around. Right. And that's Taco Bell because he hates Taco Bell. <laughs> that's true. I would and miss then, out on Taco Bell when you were around. So you'd run there and you'd get food and then you'd overcompensate mm-hmm. and, and your eyes would be bigger than your <laughs> stomach and you'd order all these things mm-hmm. and then you'd come back and then you'd just like indulge. Right. What, what you've done in this process, we're acknowledging that we're having a fear of missing out We want to get a different kind of need met, and then we want to change our behavior to more healthily meet those needs. Right. So if you're feeling like you're missing out and you really wanted to do the laser tag, Taco Bell's not going to get your laser tag action on, right? Knowing that comfort eating isn't going to solve that need meeting, you know that you want to do the fun things. Right. And maybe that looks like a game night Zoom call with the friends or something because doing something fun, maybe something a little more active. I don't know. Can we do a scavenger hunt in the house over the phone, you know, and partake in a fun game-like activity so I feel like I've still done something fun and active for the night. And it would meet the social needs that you feel like you're missing out on. Mm -hmm. Another option would be if you knew that eventually you wanted to no longer miss out on the laser tag then you're going to take steps to change your physicality, I guess, so that you could do those things. Maybe you start making a habit, oh, he's going to go out, I'm going to 
put on one of these videos and I'm going to do some exercises for a while. Don't do a two-week liquid diet. <laughs> Don't do Don't it. Don't do it. I mean, like, it's not a bad thing as long as it's done in a healthy way. With supervised dietitian and doctor advice. Agreed. <laughs> oh, and I did miss learn to accept failure and not have a fear of judgment. Oh, easier said than done. Oh, yeah. This one's colossally difficult. Yeah. You have to be able to accept some level of failure. And that's, I mean... Well, being able to look at fail... So everyone puts like this really negative connotation with the word failure... When really it's just attempt number one, you know, then there's attempt number two. There's got to be a buildup of attempts because every one and every time isn't going to be perfect. So you're going to have a buildup of attempts. But when we say failure, for some reason, that word is like, oh, God, I'm a horrible, horrible failure at life. And uh, it's just this huge buildup to that one word. And that some reason is called judgment. Right. If you, was it Edison, didn't fail, you know, he he took a thousand times to learn how to make a light bulb. Right. He didn't fail 999 times, as he said. He just learned 999 different ways not to do it. Exactly. And that's kind of how, when I started working on changing my view of failure, things like that are what helped me, is realizing it's not a one and done thing. You didn't fuck it up forever and you're worthless and get the hell out of life. It was, you learned how not to do it, and so now you have more experience on better ways to do it. It's the whole process, right? Same thing with the weight loss journey. It's, you know, the ups and downs and ups and downs, and then I learned, oh, don't eat after this time in the evening because it's going to spike my weight in the morning or my blood sugar or whatever it is. Right. Or if I think all I can do is walk once a week, and then I'm learning, oh, nope, I got to improve that. That's not good enough. Or... You know, whatever. It's all the trial and error and the ups and downs, and it's enjoying the process. You're not going to get from A to Z overnight, immediately. So figuring out all those steps and what you learn from each step. So when you're you're going through this and and you start being afraid of failure, understand that you're just being afraid of the process. Mm -hmm. And you're not failing. You're just learning different things about it. Right. Like I'm keeping a memory keeper planner journal thingy right now. And I'm trying to fill it in every day for like the first few weeks and first month or whatever of this process. So while maybe I have a rough day, it doesn't mean I'm going to skip the planner stuff. I'm going to write about my rough day and maybe take a sad face picture to print out and put in there. Yeah. And it's still part of the journey. It was just a dip in it. Yep. Definitely. And it's going to be easier to be able to get past the concept that failure is the total absolute end when you stop judging. Mm -hmm. And that's when it comes back to learned behavior as a child or in previous relationships. Learning to stop judging, again, a colossally difficult task, (laughs) comes from accepting. You know, accepting your, your own accountability, accepting the circumstances, accepting that you don't have total control of everything. Oh, no. And and also not looking at other people and judging them. Mm-hmm. And that's not easy for people to do sometimes either. Well, and I think the first step to that, if you're like, oh, God, how do I stop, you know, judging myself and others or whatever? I think the very first step to that is just catching yourself in the moment when you're doing it, recognizing it. Oh, shit. I was kind of harsh to myself in my self-talk and totally judging what I ate for lunch. Right. One thing that helps with judgment realization is somebody's turning and they don't use a blinker. It's easier (laughs) to see that they didn't use a blinker and they don't care and all this other nonsense and they're a terrible driver and, you know, then all of those judgments start packing on and packing on. Next thing you know, you've created this entire story about this person because they didn't use a blinker (laughs) when it could be... Maybe they just forgot. Maybe it's broken. They don't know their taillights out. Maybe they're distracted and, you know, they have more serious things on their mind. And they're just trying to get home so they can process. Mm -hmm. Like learning how to understand and be compassionate will be one of the ways to help remove some of the judgment. Right. And, and compassionate with yourself. Yeah. And I was totally... Is that what you were going to say? Yeah, I stole I it. No, it was good. Because... <laughs> It's easier to be compassionate towards others when you start being compassionate to yourself. Mm -hmm. When you are giving yourself all this negative self-talk, which is one of the big things about 
self-sabotage yeah. that we mentioned right in the beginning of the episode is that all that negative self-talk is exactly what's causing you to sabotage yourself. You're playing into those fears that run through your head. You're giving them a voice and then you're also giving them that judgment. You're, you're wrapping up all of this stuff in your negative self-talk. And so that's dragging you down. So when you do it to yourself, it's easy to do it to other people. Right. So it, it feels like in order to move forward, you have to work backwards. Sometimes. I guess. Yeah. I feel like it's one step back, two steps forward sometimes. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will see that as, I'm just not going forward fast enough. But you're making the proper steps forward. You're doing the work. You're getting through it versus just flying over it. And then you still have all these issues to deal with. Right. Because you need to be in those issues. Mm-hmm. And that's how you're going to get them out of the way. Right. It'll be easier to deal with in the future. Yeah. So after you've identified what you need or what you want, mm-hmm. what was missing in that point, we're getting ready to find our healthy alternatives of managing our sabotage. Mm-hmm. You want to be able to plan for the obstacles and how to overcome them. Like I know you're going to go out on dates. Yeah. Right? And I know I've historically had these feelings come up and I've had these bad behaviors which sabotage the whole fucking thing. Right. I can plan for next time you go out on a date. How am I going to handle it? That's what you mean? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So like, so you know that generally you're going to run to go get food. comfort food. <laughs> you know that that is a result of the trigger of feeling like you're missing out. Mm-hmm. And so you want to change that. You know the need that you need to get met here, the need that you're not having, which is why you're feeling the fear of missing out. So we've drilled it all the way back. You know that it's going to happen that I'm going to date again. So what would be a basic plan for changing instead of I'm missing out, I'm getting comfort food? What would be a basic change for you? So if I know when you're going out, right? Like you've planned this, it's on the schedule, we've done our KTT, it's coming up. I would get on the phone with a few girlfriends, see what's happening, whether it's a Zoom call over the phone or whether people have been vaccinated and we all feel safe to gather a few friends together, maybe plan a movie night together. I will make some plans with people because my fear of missing out has to do with some sort of fun social activity. So I'll make sure to plan that. But I will also, knowing that food is typically a comfort go-to for me, I will plan some sort of healthier version of comfort food, whether maybe it's a cheddar and broccoli soup, right? That's a really warm, good, comforty food, but I will plan that and, you know, maybe even get some ideas from the girlfriends if they're going to come over or something. But knowing what I'm going to feel ahead of time because I've felt it before makes it a little bit easier to plan for. Okay. So an, an additional aspect of planning is what if that falls through? A good backup plan doesn't hurt. Mm -hmm. So what kind of backup plan would you have? Let's see. For a solo night, feeling like I'm missing out? Yeah. Well, for me personally, I would plan something with succulents and planters. Okay. Because those are some hobbies that I enjoy. So I would pick up a hobby of some sort to stay busy, still have some fun, Maybe play a music playlist, especially if it's one that you're not always the most fond of. Like if I want to listen to some fun Britney Spears and 90s pop and you're out of the house, that's a perfect time for me to listen to it. <laughs> Maybe watch Crossroads, Britney Spears' movie. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. And then do my hobby and eat my healthier comfort food on my own. You were, th- you were saying Crossroads and for some reason you I was thinking... You thought Bone Thugs and Harmony, didn't you? Who? Oh, no. No. Who did you think? Like Patrick Swayze? Oh, no. I was That's thinking dirty it was dancing. Like, no, it's not dirty dancing. I know what dirty dancing mm. is. I was thinking Roadhouse, I think. Oh. But you said you were going to watch Crossroads, and I was thinking it was like a late 80s, early 90s kind of <laughs> pseudo-action no, movie. it's a Britney Spears movie. Gotcha. And then Bone Thugs and Harmony's rap group from the 90s, and... Meet you at the crossroads, crossroads, crossroads. Don't you remember that? Not even a little bit, no. Oh, man. I'll have to play that for you. Oh, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> it was a good video. So basically what you're doing. You know, gonna, when MTV played videos. I'm trying to gloss over that I know, right now. I know. It's a good time. <laughs> basically what you're trying to do is recognize and clarify your values. Right. Whether it's relationship stuff, work stuff, 
like for me right now, it's educational and advancement. Mm -hmm. like you want to recognize and clarify your values. You want to find what truly matters to you and learn how to achieve that by planning for it. Right. Right now, you're really focused on the school and advancement. I'm really focused on my personal health at the moment. Right. Those are like our two big focuses right now. Right. It's not always the easiest to do. I mean, like if all this was easy to do, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about this <laughs> stuff every week, right? But when you start finding success in what you're doing and changing your behaviors or changing your patterns in ways that you value, you're finding that you're loving who you are more. Right. And you're loving who you can be for others more. Mm -hmm. And you're finding that your relationships, no matter what form they take, are becoming stronger and more in-depth and meaningful. Yeah, and you don't find yourself in those sabotage modes yeah. It might happen now again because we're all learning as we go, but you're definitely not going to find yourself there as often. Well, and I, and I don't even think that you consider it like taking a break. Even though I have developed this entire new schedule for my life going forward, mm -hmm. for the goals I'm trying to achieve, I know that I'm not going to need to work 24-7 to get to it. Like if I don't take a break, mm -hmm. I'm going to burn out. Like I take two walks a day just because I need to get out. Exactly. The breaks during the days, but then also not working seven days a week just because you're not at a Monday to Friday job anymore. And then it's like, oh, but I have free time on Saturday, so I should work all day Saturday. Right. You know, yesterday or a few days ago, rather, we did a Lord of the Rings marathon. Yeah. We got through the first two movies, but they were the extended cut movies. Right, right. <laughs> so it took a good chunk of the day where we did nothing but watch movies. And you yeah. you were good with that. You knew that you needed just a day of downtime. Right. So be easy on yourself because being hard on yourself isn't always going to help. And sometimes that is where that sneaky negative self-talk comes in. Right. Because I do that all the time. And that's one of the things that I'm changing is I get too stern with myself and I start, you know, not living up to my own expectations. And then I'm like, look, you stupid bastard. <laughs> if you don't do this, you're a piece of shit. Right. And those are the things that like I've personally worked really hard to get rid of and they still come back once in a while. Yeah. So take that time to take that break or, you know, you've sat in this feeling long enough. Take a break from it. You know, breathe. You don't want to burn out on them. Mm -hmm. But the more that you can work to prevent self-sabotaging, the more prosperous your relationships are going to be. Absolutely. Oh, wait. Speaking of relationships. Yeah. Have you been uh, exploring? <laughs> so, I mean, if you've been listening for a while, you know that I'm trying to get out there and I've been on some dating apps and Facebook dating and whatnot. And there's this guy that I met. He... We originally started talking on Facebook dating. Then we switched over. We <laughs> we realized that he was actually in some of the Facebook groups that Monsuda and I run. And so him and I just switched over to regular messenger messaging and actually realized that we had met once before at a, discu a local discussion group years ago. And we met up the other day. I knew I wanted to meet him before surgery in person. We've been texting for a while. And they say that a lot of things post-surgery, relationship-wise, can change. There's a really bad divorce rate because of insecurities and relationships and all this stuff. So I've been very open with him from the beginning about what's going on in my life right now. And I'm excited. We we met up socially distanced, but in person and just for a little bit kind of had some conversation and it was really easy and flowed really natural. Um, I think he's pretty cute. So I think it I think it's going to be good. We'll see. Cool. So the reason I brought this up on air yes. is because when you came home, <laughs> so I've had some bad times in the very beginning of our relationship where I wasn't so good at, you know, you going out on a date right. and I'd get the cranky pants on. Mm -hmm. Right. And I've worked really hard to overcome these things because of many reasons, mm -hmm. obviously. And I remember you cornering a gentleman I was talking to once you like cornered him in the garage at a party we were having and had a whole drunken discussion with him. I don't remember this one. We'll talk off air. I remember the one in the yard. 
I don't know if I remember the one in the yard. Okay, don't worry about that. <laughs> so there were some struggles. Right. And and it was not because I didn't want you to date, but it was because I wanted to make sure that you were safe and all this other stuff. Mm-hmm. But also, if I'm going to be 100% honest, I needed to drill down and understand what I was afraid of losing. Right. Or afraid of missing. So you went out with this person. Yep. And... I've been doing a lot of work. Like, I'm, I'm good with this. And I got to this point where, oh, she's going to go out and she's going to have a good time. This gives me the chance to work on one of the things I've been wanting to work on. One of my Dungeons and Dragons things. Yeah. So, I got to do that. I had a great time. And when she came home, <laughs> she was trying to play it all cool. Rebel without a cause, kind of. You know, like, <laughs> whatever. And, and I think that some of that might have been because you were a little concerned that I'd be like, you know, this is this is crap, or, you know, maybe I'd get kind of crappy. <laughs> but when I reassured you that everything was good, and then you opened up a little bit about it, you got giddy. You got really <laughs> excited, and you started, like, getting all twinkly-eyed about it and talking about them, and, and you let that casualness go. So it was really cute to watch you... For a minute. For just a minute. Yeah. And it's not like I'm afraid of your reaction in it. It's almost like... I don't want to jinx anything, or I'm, like, unsure, so I really keep it all bottled up, but then I had, like, gone to take my shoes off or something, and I had texted him real quick, and I was like, yeah, I really did enjoy myself, and we did really click, and I'd want to see him again, and hope this goes somewhere, or whatever, goes wherever it's going to go. So I just thought it was really cute how excited you were, and how giggly you were about it. <laughs> it was kind of fun to watch. So I had to bring that up. I see. I see. We'll share it with everybody. Yeah. I mean, that's what we do. Yeah. All right, Pollyann fam. There's probably a ton more that would go into self-sabotage. Oh, yeah. But I feel like we got a really good grasp on it and maybe talked a little bit on how to decrease or eliminate that. Yeah, and even identifying it yeah. to start, you know. Thanks for hanging out and talking your poly off with us. (laughs) We will see you next Tuesday. Bye now. Thank you for talking your poly off with Bella and Monsada. You can find our Facebook page in the links or by searching for I Love Polly and liking the page Polyamory Get Your Heart On. You can also find I Love Polly on Instagram and Twitter by searching I Love Polly Cares. If you want us to help you navigate to all of our online presence, check out the show notes or come on over to ilovepoly.org. We would love to hear from you. That's right. And you can get in touch with us by emailing podcast at ilovepoly.org. That's singular podcast, not plural. So until our next discussion, Polly and fam, live like there's no tomorrow, laugh until it hurts, and and love love without without limits. limits.